Welcome to the Thought Leaders to Watch podcast. I'm Catherine Mora, founder and CEO of Change Empire Books. We help coaches, speakers, and entrepreneurs write and publish quality books and get them out into the world. We believe that thought leaders are made through a combination of quality of service, planning, and authenticity. Do you want to impact lives and leave a legacy? Stick around until the end of the show and we'll reveal how you could be our next guest on the Thought Leaders to Watch podcast. Let's get started. Hey, everyone out there. This is the Thought Leaders to Watch podcast. I'm your host, Starlet Henderson. Our Thought Leader to Watch today is Ian Collins. Hi, Ian. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks, Starlet. How are you? I'm well. Thank you. You're in London. You have multitude of things going on, and I would like you to um, maybe choose one. Let's start with Safety Coach and tell me about Ian Collins and safetycoach.com. Sure. Uh, so I'm the managing director of an uh, organization called Safety Coach International, and primarily, it's been driven by wanting to understand how and why people make mistakes and, and really what drives that behavior. And, and I started my career in personal development and, and very quickly uh, got into mining and, and oil driven by a, a resource boom at the time happening in Western Australia, where I'm from, and saw some people getting hurt and had a few very close calls myself. And ultimately uh, experienced a, a death, witnessed a, a death uh, in the shipyards when I was working in Singapore, and, and it really had a big impact on me. And, you know, I wanted to understand what what drives people's behavior, you know, what drives them to, to make errors, and quickly discovered a, a science uh, known as human and organizational performance, which, which was developed in the aftermath of Three Mile Island and Chernobyl, a couple of major nuclear events, and it, it really looks at how our systems drive behavior. You know, no one goes to work wanting to get hurt mm-hmm. or break equipment or, you know, cause make a stroke to the environment or make a mistake. And, and mm-hmm. so when they do, uh, we, we, we want to understand, well, what had it make sense to that person at the time? What, what had that action make sense to them that ultimately led to the bad outcome? And, and uh, human organizational performance is, is really about that understanding how our systems drive behavior. Uh, and so what I do now primarily is, is really help organizations look at their systems and, and understand how their systems are ultimately driving people to take actions that are leading to bad outcomes. And at the same time, you know, train people how not to make mistakes, uh, particularly ones that, that can be catastrophic. So work mainly with high-risk uh, industries uh, and do a lot of coaching sort of at that uh, leader level, C-suite sort of executive level as well, and on how leaders can really influence the organization too. Yeah, so you're making an impact on way um, people do things, produce things, and and work how they work. Um, I imagine some of that communication is around um, giving feedback, right? Nobody likes to hear that they made a mistake. Um, of course, obviously, they like you said, they didn't do it on purpose. Um, so has that, that's definitely been an impact that you bring to that. Um, do you have something, you know, to share about how people take that? I mean, that's gotta be a science and an art. Yeah, it's actually quite a a big shift once the organization starts to look at things systemically. And and I can see a plant in the background where you are there. And, And let's say we have a plant that's just not growing or not performing the way we'd like it. 
we don't we don't blame the plant. We look at all the conditions and all the in, environmental factors that are influencing its performance. Yet, as human beings, when someone makes a mistake, there's there's just this human nature to immediately assign blame and fault. And once an organisation really has this perspective shift, this paradigm shift that it's largely driven, the science actually tells us there's about 90% of events that are caused by something other than just the individual. It's not that the individual wasn't involved, but the system drove the event. So if they can understand those flaws in the system, then they're going to, you know, there's a huge, um, in terms of the feedback to the the individuals and the workers, they start really willingly coming forward with information that can that can make the it a safer workplace because they know the organization's trying to fix the system as opposed to just blame the individual. Right. Yeah. So I take uh, some comfort in that. I get neither blame nor credit for keeping my plant alive. <laughs> it's the system. I promise. <laughs> All right. Um, so that's safetycoach.com. And you did kind of mention there were some, you know, catastrophic events, some life events that kind of led you to be interested into that. I want to talk about another project that I'm, um, that you participated in this book, right? Letter to ten, my 10-year-old self. Mm. And so I imagine your 10-year-old self didn't know you were going to be a safety coach someday. Tell me about 10-year-old Ian and then also about the advice that you gave in the book to letter to, to your the advice that you gave in your letter to your 10-year-old self. Yeah, it was it was, it was an amazing project to get involved with and and for a number of years for you know 12, 15 years I've been flying around the world uh doing what I do and 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 you know loving that and have just gotten myself into some pretty amazing situations and and got a lot of stories out of that. And for years, people have been saying, you got to write a book. And when COVID hit, you know, uh, it was just, that was the time. So it mm-hmm. so started yeah. to actually capture some of the, the stories from over the years. And then this project basically fell into my lap. And so it's, you know, led it to my 10-year-old self. It's really an opportunity to think if you had that chance to go and speak to your former child self, you know, what would you say? And and for me, it was a very therapeutic sort of process mm. to to reflect on my life and, you know, the ups and downs. And and I really saw it as an opportunity to speak to my inner child, uh, you know, right now, uh, rather than, you know, go back and change anything because we can't do that. But really, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm speaking to my inner child right now, just, you know, what do I want to say? And, and yeah, this whole sort of lockdown period is, and the inability to travel is is really forced me to do a lot of inner process work. And just knowing that, uh, you know, we, we've each got this gift. We've each got this sort of unique talent that we come into the world with. And for me, the journey is about really tapping into that and tuning into sure. what is that unique gift that each of us have. And a big part of that, and, and it's something that we're not brilliant at, particularly with men in, in Western society is, is that we've got this sort of inner navigational system that can really tell us when we're really li- living in accord with our purpose and that is our, our emotions and our intuition. Mm-hmm. And so often, you know, I'm certainly uh, privy to, you know, comments like real men don't cry and, and these sort of things and it really forced me and, and I know a lot of others out of our bodies and, and out of really tapping into that, that navigational system that we have. And unfortunately, you know, it's, it's now to the point where suicide's a major epidemic in, in a lot of Western cultures, particularly amongst men. And, you know, particularly in Australia where I'm from, it's the major cause of death for 
men age, you know, 15 to 40, which, mm. which, you know, it doesn't need to be that no, way. Yeah. It's super sad. Yeah. So, so a big part and- of the message in my book is just to really trust that, you know, those emotions, trust that guidance and, uh, you'll you'll know when you're doing something that really is in alignment with what you should be doing. Sure, right. Get that gut check and know that that inner voice is is um, saying no, 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 <laughs> yeah. for a reason. Or yes, or yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, yes. I mean, imagine if you um, that book had fallen into your lap and you were like, mm, I don't know, maybe you know, if you hadn't honed that inner voice, we wouldn't have that letter to your ten year old self. So, have yeah. you gotten any feedback, or do you under? Um, heard, you know, about the impact that that book or letter to yourself has made? Yeah, it's it's been quite remarkable. And and the one sort of category of, of feedback that has come up that's really surprised me is from childhood friends. And I've had a number of childhood friends reach Excuse out me. or friends that, you know, either went to school with or knew at that age and have reached out and said, you you chapter in this anthology really impacted me. And, and it's been great because I've been able to reconnect with with a few of them and, and sort of rekindle some friendships from long ago. There's, there's just something about it that's, uh, yeah, they've resonated with. And, and, uh, I think we're at similar stages in our life, uh, that they really connected with the chapter. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah, been it really like, nice. It sounds like a book, like for that, um, for such a time as this, right. I mean, yeah. it's just perfect, perfect timing. Exactly. Do you have books that you've read that you would like to share with our audience on what have impacted you? Um, you know, you said you had one or two before we talked. Yeah, there's 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 definitely a few that stand out. And and I remember reading books as a teenager like Kerouac on the Road and the mm-hmm. Dharma Bums, which certainly impacted me and sort of started this thirst for adventure. And the one that that it was my first experience of just not being able to put a book down, and that was Shantaram. Um can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head now, Greg Brooks <laughs> or something like that. And and it was this incredible story of this guy who escaped uh, prison in Australia, actually, some parts true, some parts uh, made up, mm-hmm. but goes to India and just uh, immerses himself in a slum there. And and on, on it's it, it a couple of things it did for me is, is one, just this love of adventure and, and going to Weedham, you know, off the sort of beaten track places around the world, uh, it really sort of started that for me. And and the other thing is he just immerses himself in the community. And, uh, you know, I've, I've lived now all over the world and uh, five different continents. And and I just, I love that experience of actually going somewhere and, and really immersing myself rather than just, you know, going somewhere for a few days or a week, just actually going and living there and experiencing what it's really like. I'd rather see things sort of firsthand and experience them firsthand rather than, yeah, just a glimpse of what it might be like. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, from a fiction perspective, that really struck a chord. And the other one that really had a big impact on me was a book by a guy called John Perkins, which was Confessions of an Economic Hitman. And he sort of outlines the uh, uh, economic policies and and uh, some of the different policies of, of Western countries uh, what it, what it did for me was that it 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 sort of forced me not to take the the narrative in particularly Western media uh, as the truth and and in fact you know a lot of media as as the absolute truth and to actually uh, you know go and see it and, and research it and, and experience it for myself and when 
my first international assignment was actually in Libya during Gaddafi times. And I remember going there, reading about Colonel Gaddafi and thinking, wow, this guy's pretty evil and the people are repressed. And, and it just wasn't my experience on the ground. And it, it really sort of opened my eyes to the different narratives that we're told. Um, you know, I've done a lot of work in North Korea and, and the same experience there where you know, Western media sort of portrays them as this or, you know, robotic slaves bowing down to this regime. But, the, you know, they're born into this very unique system where the only way to get ahead is to really, uh, you know, show loyalty to, a, to a, this regime. Out of survival, the, you mentioned. Survival, yeah. yeah. At, the, at, the end, at the end of the day, they're, they're, they're people that just want a better life for themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, such a incredible experience and, and opportunity to, to travel there the way I did and, and you know, meet everyday North Koreans and, and just really get the humanity of it all. That immersion experience you talked about and that book sounds like the best counted book, the one that kind of opens your aperture and makes you, you know, not, not second guess that gut feeling that you're talking about, but, you know, giving yourself some more experiences through other people's eyes so that you yeah. can um, really have a, a, a a wide lens and a full life. Let's talk a little bit more about North Korea. Um, I know you said you've worked there and I know that there's still work going on there. Um, you can read more about it audience at chosonexchange.com. But Ian, tell us a little bit about what your impact is there and um, why you got involved. Yeah. yeah. It was a few years ago. I was, I was just sort of perusing uh, the internet and, and came across this ad to go and teach entrepreneurship in North Korea, which really jumped out at me because I'd always wanted to go there, but just not as a tourist. And so I thought to go there is to actually go and teach uh, entrepreneurship of, of all things. And, and that was surprising, but I came to learn it was very much a, a, a strong culture of entrepreneurship there that was born out of sort of the 90s when they had massive famines and and people were perishing and people relied on government subsistence and those that did basically perished in these famines whereas those that set up they started trading whatever they could and this sort of culture of entrepreneurship was born and these markets these sort of gray markets emerged and it's it's thriving it's it's really thriving there now the thing they lack is is how do they take a good idea and turn it into something valuable for the local market, any sort of formal education in that, which is where we come in. And, and as, a, as a charity, Chosen Exchange is, is all about trying to create a, a healthier civil society in North Korea through entrepreneurship and really open dialogue with the country rather than keep you know, isolating them and sanctions and so on. So I've had the opportunity to, I've been there four times now and, and uh, you know, actually take groups of Westerners to North Korea now to, to go and make a difference. And it's, it's just a phenomenal, it's a fascinating place, you know, by itself. But actually to go and see it and engage with the people and, and to, to see the impact we're making, it's, it's quite different where I can't just send an email or, you know, <laughs> you know, how, you know how are things going yeah, so it'll be a year in between really seeing the impact that we make. Um, but it's, there's some incredible stories that have come out of it and, and people starting businesses for the first time and doing really well and and being able to support their family better. And, and it's just a, an incredible opportunity. 
Yeah, it sounds like it. And what really strikes me about that story is that they don't sound too far from the entrepreneurs that I know, right? You have an idea. How do you bring it to market? Is it, you know, is, which market do you bring it to? How do you um, shortcut that and and make that profitable? And, you know, I'm in America and you're, you're in England. So, I mean, ad, the entrepreneurs in, in Europe probably aren't too far different either. Yeah, they, absolutely. And, and, They've got some, you know, North Korea, it's, it's, it's very interesting concepts that we sort of take for granted, like advertising. You know, we, how do we advertise? We've, we've got a number of different channels, but for them, it's very limited how they advertise. And even things like billboards and, and posters on walls and so on, it's, it's just not there. And in fact, right in the subways, having you know, ridden the, the tube here in, in London and seen all the advertising on the walls going down, in Pyongyang, it's just blank walls the whole way down. Mm. It, it's, quite, it, it's quite relieving in, in, in a weird kind of way. Um, yeah, to your senses, I bet. Yeah, to the senses. But no yeah. marketing. No so market. how did they do it? Word of mouth? Exactly. So they very much rely on word of mouth. And, and yeah, they've got uh, their own sort of intranet that, that they can advertise little bits and pieces on now and, and a bit more e-commerce starting to show up and and. I was fascinated last time I was there because we had one group that we're working with was developing apps and I didn't even realize that they they had that capability. Yeah, that surprises me. Yeah, but to go to actually get an app on your phone, you actually have to go to the app store, which is a physical store, and you go in and you give them your phone and they upload this app onto your onto your phone and trying to explain to them where our apps come from. <laughs> You know, it comes from the cloud and hey, they come from clouds. And it was right. it's going to blow their mind. Yeah. Oh <laughs> it was one of the biggest comedic lost in translations of everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. What a wonderful array of experiences. Um, you know, it, it, from your, from being able to write a letter to your 10 year old self and reconnect with your, your friends, um, you know, who grew up at the same time as you and, um, to be able to make an impact and make workplaces safer. And, um, and then the Chosun exchange. I mean, when I read about that, I was like, we've got to talk more about that. I think that's amazing. Um, that's definitely an impact. Um, have you heard, um, you know, what is it like when you hear about this impact that you're making in the world? It's very humbling. It's, it's, um, it's a very humbling experience. It's, and, and in the safety world, it's an interesting one because it's very hard a lot of times to measure what doesn't happen. So oh, to, yeah. when someone, I know that the work we're doing makes a significant impact and the fact that people get to go home to their families and at the end of the day, and that's you know, largely what drives me, I know what it's like when people don't get to do that and have seen that and experienced that. So whilst it, it can be hard to measure sometimes, you know, I take comfort in in knowing that more people have gotten home to their family because of the work, you know, we've been doing. Um, there's been less damage to the environment. There's been less major catastrophic events uh, and the impact that has because of, of the work that we're doing. So, and I, I take a lot of comfort in that. Yeah. Yeah, I was laughing because, um, you know, when you write your 10-year-old self, like you said, you can't measure what doesn't happen, yeah. you know, and so that whole um, life full of experiences that you had, I mean, you almost had to have that so that you could tell the 10-year-old, you know, how to 
check their gut or um, trust their intuition. Um, so, you know, our life experiences, I mean, we just got to take them and, uh, you know, be thankful for them. So what's exactly. next for you? I continue in doing what I'm doing. I'll be in London for the foreseeable future. I can't really leave here at the moment with the travel yes. bans. I'm here with family. So uh, Safety Coach is continuing to grow and, and offering a number of services virtually now, which is great. And uh, Chosen Exchange is we're doing a lot of programs that we can whilst we can't travel to North Korea. So uh, engaging particularly North Koreans outside of the country at the moment okay. through a few different programs but still working as best we can with our partners there just to gear up for whenever we can come back in and, and bring cohorts of people back into the country. Uh, and then doing a lot of coaching through my own website, empcollins.com, and, and really helping people tune into that inner genius. You know, what is what is their real purpose? Um, and, and, yeah, continuing just to do a lot of coaching. Yeah. Continuing that impact. Uh, so that website again was enpcollins.com. Um, how are people to reach you? Do you prefer um, them going to the website or do you have other channels like Facebook or LinkedIn? Where, you know, where do you want me to tell them to go or you tell yeah. them to go? I can, yeah. Uh, LinkedIn's always a good one. Uh, Instagram, enpcollins or Facebook, ipcollins. Um, if you're on Clubhouse, that's an, uh, sort of the latest and greatest one. Uh, where else? Yeah, the website, safetycoach.com, uh, Ian P. Collins, and, and Chosen Exchange. It's actually .org being a, being a charity. That's um, right. The best way to contact me if, if you want to email is ian at safetycoach.com. Ian at safetycoach.com. Thanks for your time, Ian, and thanks for your impact. It's good Thank to you, get to know Stella. you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Catherine Mora here. Thank you so much for listening to the Thought Leaders to Watch podcast. If you are a successful coach, speaker, or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit changeempire.com slash podcast slash apply. If you got something out of this interview, please share this episode on social media. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Thought Leaders to Watch. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, changeempire.com, or follow me on LinkedIn as Catherine Moore. We're on Facebook and Instagram as Change Empire Book Coaching. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.